Today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. Let me put up uh, a map. This is from an organization called Open Doors. There's two kind of major organizations that monitor uh, persecution of Christians throughout the world. There's Voice of the Martyrs and Open Doors. And this is kind of a color-coded map. Not Not a whole lot of of persecution on this side of the world. This says extreme persecution, very high persecution, high persecution. So um, there's, there's a bit in Mexico and uh, Colombia, yes, right? But over here on this side of the world, uh, and that's the most populated section of the world, in fact, they call this the 1040 window, because it is a box that contains uh, countries 40 degrees north of the equator, 10 10 degrees below uh, the equator, and that's where the densest population in the world is and the most persecution. So if we zero in, and, and by the way, about 215 million Christians experience high, very high, or extreme persecution. Millions a lot. Um, if we zoom in here, here's what I'm going to do. And, and what, I, what I have found is that you can quote statistics, 2 million, and, and it goes in one ear and out the other. So I want to share three stories of persecution today, um, tell you a little bit about the countries. And one is from North Korea. They are, again, and always have been in recent years, uh, the number one country for uh, the highest degree of persecution on the open doors list. Uh, So we'll look at at North Korea. Um, Then we will look at Pakistan. So the the little movie that we saw was Pakistan. And then we will look at Nigeria. Three stories uh, from each of these countries. So, North Korea. What do we know about North Korea? Well, um, Actually, it was under Japanese control, and then in the 50s, they got their independence, but it was north and south, and the leader in the north was Kim Il-sung. He actually was behind the beginning of the Korean War, where they wanted to take over the south. And um, during that time, He either killed or imprisoned 70,000 Christians. And he developed what can only be called a cult of personality, which we'll talk about in just a second. His son, Kim Jong-il, then took over. And then today you are familiar with his son, Kim Jong-un. So grandfather father and son uh, have been in charge of North Korea since the 1950s. So um, here are just two of 40,000 statues of the Kim family. Okay, Throughout the country are more than 40,000 statues of the Kim family that must be cleaned and worshipped by the North Korean people. So you see them bowing down. 
you don't really see that in the news too much. From birth to death, North Korean citizens are taught state propaganda. This means learning about the leaders of North Korea in elementary school, hearing propaganda on loudspeakers in homes and in businesses, and living under the threat of constant imprisonment. Um, Open Doors estimates that in these camps, these prison camps, are about 50,000 Christians. Okay, 50,000. So here's the question. Why is Kim so afraid of Christianity? And what those who have studied North Korea have concluded, it's, it's this. Because people who are following Jesus and who are committed to one another mean there are people he can't control and who follow a greater king. So just your presence, if you were a Christian in North Korea, would be a threat to him because your allegiance is not to him. It's to Jesus. Now, two years ago, one, one year ago, actually, uh, 2017, um, a report was put together by the International Bar Association War Committee, a group of people who investigated and did interviews and looked into what's going on in North Korea. And um, they came out with a report. Now, one of the, the judges was a former survivor of Auschwitz, the, the Nazi camp. And um, this, so this guy's on the committee. He was able to go in and, and interview people who had been in some of these North Korean camps. And um, he said the conditions in North Korea were as bad or even worse than what he had experienced in the Nazi prison camp, the concentration camp. Um, the committee shared stories of routine uh, public executions carried out in front of the adults and children in the camps. And why did they do this? To subdue the prison population. And inside the camps, Christians were tortured on account of their faith. And the officials were instructed to wipe out the seed of Christian reactionaries. So the, they see them as reactionaries against the government because they don't have allegiance to Kim Jong-un. Right? Um, one of the most newsworthy and notable examples of, of the brutality, do you remember Otto Warmbier? He is um, <clears throat> he was a, a student from Cincinnati, and he was unjustly accused of taking a poster off a wall. So they had a show trial, and he was sentenced to 15 years hard labor. So here's the trial, and uh, 15 years hard labor. After the trial, he mysteriously went into a coma, and it got bad enough that they transported him back home to America, and he died. So there's an American uh, who has experienced the brutality of Kim Jong-un's North Korea. 
There's a survivor who went to one of the camps. Choi is her name. She says, many Christians do not survive. They're tortured and used to test biological chemi chemical weapons like the VX gas used to assassinate Kim Jong-un's uh, half-brother. So it's not a great picture, but it's from a security uh, camera in an airport in a different country where a woman comes up behind him and has some of this substance on her hand and wipes it on his face. And then she walks away and then he dies. Why would Kim Jong-un do this? Well, he's a threat. Right? He's a threat to being in power. Well, where do they get the gas? Well, they tested it in these camps. Um, so let me just uh, read about uh, one family. One woman, Hannah, not her real name, and her family escaped to China, so you can go north over the border into China. But they were discovered and repatriated back to North Korea. Uh, she was put in a prison camp and, quote, Prisoners in solitary confinement were badly beaten up. Nobody dared resist because you'd only make torture worse. But my husband was different. The more they tortured him, the harder he defended his faith. He yelled at them, if believing in God is a sin, I'd rather die. Just kill me. It's my mission to live according to God's will. But each time he spoke out against them, uh, they stripped him of his clothes and beat him as if he was an animal. His flesh was torn and ripped when he lost consciousness they woke him up and started again. When we got to the office before their eventual release from prison, there were two male prisoners. One I recognized as my son, but the other was in such bad shape, I didn't recognize him. He was my husband, and he didn't recognize me. That's how horrendous we looked from all the torture. His ribs and collarbone were broken so that he could not even stand up straight, but I realized it was him, after our release, my husband suggested that I take my daughter first and go back to China. I did, and he said, I, I did what he said and reached China with our daughter. One month went by, no word from him. Then a second month and a third. I waited three years, then I found out that he had died shortly after we left. He was never able to overcome the pain and illness from prison. My son, too, was too young to help him, so he died slowly in pain. So... Um, 50,000 Christians in prison in North Korea. And I'm going to just put this verse up after each story. Um, Hebrews 13.3, Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. Now, you might think that means, oh, since you're still, you still have your body. No, no, you're in the same body of Christ, is the idea. These are our real brothers and sisters in Christ who right now are in prison being brutalized. Okay? So that's, that's North Korea. So the, the little clip that we saw was Pakistan with the guy in the sewer. Right? So let's move... I got the wrong country up there, but let's move to Pakistan. All right, Pakistan would be, here's India right next to India. Right. 
So Asa Bibi, I'm going to call her Asa. I don't know. Do you call her something else? Asia? Let's call her Asa, okay? Um, Asa Bibi, mother of five, and she has been in prison for the last eight years in Pakistan. So back in 2009, she was 38 years old. She was picking berries as a day laborer in a field, and uh, her boss said, go get some water for your fellow workers. Uh, the group protested that she was asked to give them water because she as a Christian would be contaminating the water that they as Muslims would be drinking. So they beat her and accused her of saying derogatory remarks against Islam and against the prophet Muhammad. Uh, her husband says she didn't say anything. Okay. The mob then dragged her to the local police station and they accused her of blasphemy. Now, um, recently in Pakistan, more and more charges of blasphemy are being made and um, many people say it's just a land grab. If I want your land... I can just accuse you of, of blasphemy. <clears throat> you go to prison, and the sentence would include either languishing there for the rest of your life or being publicly hanged. So um, she was put in prison in her little local town. Now, let me just take you through kind of a timeline um, and we're still in the middle of this. Some of you heard what happened on Wednesday. We'll get there. But here's kind of her timeline. Um, and by the way, throughout this eight-year story, there's riots in the street, people calling for her death. So this is, this is not just a little isolated thing. The whole country is very aware of Asa and her case. Okay? Um, so back in 2009, she is arrested on blasphemy charges. November of 2010, she's convicted and sentenced to death by hanging. This man, uh, Salman Tazir, governor of the Punjab province, who supported Asa and called for reform of the country's blasphemy laws, is assassinated by his bodyguard. As a result, authorities increased security for Asa, and she's moved to the all-women's prison. So any politician speaking out in favor of her might risk being assassinated. Okay. March 2011, Shabazz Bhatti, federal minister for more, uh, minority affairs who supported ACE's case and was an outspoken critic of the country's widely condemned blasphemy laws, is assassinated. October 2011, news emerges that Asa has been beaten by a prison official. October 2014, the Lahore High Court confirms Asa's death sentence. October 2015, Asa's moved to solitary prison, a pr solitary prison cell because of fears for her security after the Supreme Court upholds a sentence against 
the guy who killed the official, the assassin. So uh, the government is saying, well, that was wrong, but now she's even uh, under more threat, so now she's in solitary confinement. October 2015, 150 top Muslim clerics from radical Islamist group, and I'm not going to pronounce it, call for Asa to be hanged. Well, this is like the, you know, the local pastors all getting together calling for uh, the death of this woman. Uh, hang the blasphemy, blasphemer, cursed Asa. May 2017, this man, Pakistan's interior minister and supporter of the country's minority communities, survives an assassination attempt. And then, about a year ago, the Supreme Court hears Ace's case, but they delay ruling. Why? They might get killed. So then, Wednesday, she was acquitted and released. This Wednesday. Right? Um, now, you go, oh, that's great. Everybody, it ends happily ever after. Um, now, I had just heard, George told me, that while she is free, the Supreme Court is now reconsidering her case because how do you stop all the riots in the street? So, um, here's a report from Open Doors. Before the verdict... Um, the chief cleric of an extremist group, I won't pronounce it, uh, in a video message called upon his followers to come out on the roads and be ready to do and die in the case of Asa Bibi. Um, schools were closed. Staff members are concerned about their children. But then when she was released, here's just a comment of one Christian woman. A mother waiting for her child to come home shared with us, and here are her words, joy, anger, fear, disbelief, fear, rejoicing, trusting, fear, questions, surrendering. God is in control. Surely we will overcome. So um, she's out, but the country of Pakistan is in turmoil over this woman. Um, but you saw what the life is like for, uh, for Christians, many Christians in Pakistan. Right? Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. All right? Um, one last story. So this is Nigeria. And this is Leah. She's a high school girl. Uh, Leah was one of 110 girls kidnapped from the Government Girls Science and Technical College in Depachi in February of this year. So 110 kidnapped. While her Muslim classmates were released through back-channel efforts, Leah was kept captive because she refused to renounce her faith in Christ. So... Um, 110 high school girls are captured along with three aid workers. Okay. Of the three aid workers, two of them were executed. And this is Boko Haram, uh, the, the, the group uh, who is doing this. Okay. Um, 
one month to the day of a recent deadline, they released a video of the second girl, the aid worker, being executed. And um, they, they threatened to keep the other aid worker and Leah as uh, slaves for life. Okay, if we see them, we will kill the apostates. So an apostate would be a Muslim who converts uh, among them, men, men or women, and choose to kill or keep the infidels, those would be Christians, as slaves, men or women. Uh, from today, Sherabu, that's, that's uh, uh, Leah, and Nagada, that's Alice, the aid worker, are now our slaves. Based on our doctrines, it is now lawful for us to do whatever we want to do with them. And I think you know what that means. Okay. Um, so, that is going on in Nigeria. By the way, uh, Nigeria is just one, two countries away from Togo, where the de Kragers are, um, and they are in, um, and, 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 and this is, this is, a, good, this is a, a good tension to keep here. You go, well, let's go destroy them. Well, the, the, the de Kragers are serving Muslims in the north of Togo by building a hospital and healing them and ministering to them and sharing Christ with them. Are they in danger? Yeah. Um, Todd DeCrager, the, the, the father, who uh, was behind the building of the hospital, um, there was a, a mass, uh, there was a, uh, an attack in another country just north of there, and at breakfast he said, you know, boys, four boys, that could happen here. Um, and they continue to stay. Now, Todd died, and uh, Jennifer and the boys just went back to Togo like days ago. And I just got an email from her. Um, she's back as a chaplain. Uh, there was a code on a, on a little baby who died, and then the parents were left crying. And so that was day one. And then the next day, she went to a prison ministry where there are women in prison um, so she's back, um, serving the Lord. Um, William, the oldest son, is here at Cedarville Christian College, and the other three boys are over there working in the hospital. Okay. So those are some stories, um, true stories, of Christians around the world. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. So if you could take out your insert, here are some prayer requests. And, and by the way, in your bulletin, we've got the, the 10 top countries on the watch list. If you want to add number 11, it is Nigeria. So the 11th most dangerous place is Nigeria. But there are some prayer requests. And... Um, Again, I, I, I would encourage you to think about Wednesday night coming for a time of prayer for our missionaries and to pray for these people who 
our, our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church, 645. And then I will just leave this up. These are some of the quotes that we saw throughout this. And um, I'm just going to encourage us to bow our heads, though you can keep one eye open to see what's up there or on your, your page. And would just ask us as a congregation to lift up these people before the Lord, and then I will close us off um, toward the end. So let's pray.